Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Lee Richardson and we are talking about one of our favorite subjects. We're talking about brains today and how our brains are handling this digital revolution. And Lee, I wanted to share something in the beginning just to make people aware of kind of the technology side of of digital media, social media, Zoom meetings, all these different things that we're experiencing in huge, huge numbers these days. When we program apps for games or for business use, or we program a computer to do something, we know that brains are attached to alerts. This goes back to caveman days. Like, I want you just to think about the name alert, the sound, you know, what is an alert? It causes us to be hypervigilant, hyper-focused. And this goes back to caveman days. So Lee, if you and I are going to the river to get some water, let's say in a deer skin bag, and we hear a rustling in the bushes, or we hear a rustling in the leaves, what do we do? We go on high alert, right? Could Absolutely. be danger, could be a snake, could be a bear, whatever that could be. So we keep along our path and we get our, our deerskin bag of water. And then on the way back from our walk, Lee, you say to me, you know, we need some berries for the babies. And I say, okay, well, let's go to the meadow where we usually go to get the berries. And the berries aren't there. We didn't just fall over dead and go, oh, there's no food for our whole tribe. We went foraging, right? We say, well, let's check the meadow over here. Let's go around the bend of the river. Let's see where we can find some berries. So we are hardwired to search and seek, right? Hunter and gather, search and seek. Well, guess what? Programmers know this. So when we create things for human consumption, we create a place where you can do excessive searching and you can also get your neuro... Uh, alert on. Because think about the words. What happens when email comes in? You get an email, what? Alert. When you have a text, you get a text alert. We know that human beings respond to alerts. We've done that since caveman times. We also know that the human brain, human beings are attracted to searching. And what better to give people but an unlimited, bottomless pool of berry searching than social media, search engines, 
and new sites. Lee, as we're talking about the different things that we can get drawn into on the internet, on social media, I just want to stop and thank our sponsor because this is a place that you really want to go. Our sponsor today is Ideal. It is Wondery. And they have this amazing podcast for curious kids that you are going to love. And from the creators of the number one podcast of Curious Kids and Their Grownups Wow in the World comes a new intergalactic musical podcast featuring travel blogging aliens flip and mosey you guys this is so good you're going to love it your whole family you can listen to it together your kids are going to dig it you're going to enjoy it i really enjoyed it and flip and mosey set their sights on earth when their spaceship makes an emergency crash landing and now that they have to wait three thousand years for an interstellar tow truck to arrive flip and mosey spend their time traveling all over planet earth meeting different animal species as they try to learn how to be an earthling featuring new original music by grammy nominated artists the pop-ups join them the pop-ups join them every week for a new musical adventure as flip and mosey bring conversation and conservation into the conversation for both kids and grown-ups that's why i totally dig it it's like a really really entertaining show and then it helps us with conservation which you guys know is a really big deal to me and you can listen to episodes of flip and mosey's guide how to be an earthling everywhere right now or ad free and one week early by subscribing to Wondery Plus Kids and Apple Podcasts or Wondery Plus and the Wondery app or one week early on Amazon Music. And so when we're talking about all these different places that we can go to get things, this is a trusted, true product that you can be sure that your kids and family will love, and it's something that supports our vision here at Motherhood Talk Radio. There is a never-ending well that we can draw from, and these things, Lee, and I don't think most people recognize this, it's not that social media or Google or news sites are inherently bad, but they are designed to work with our, our ancient behaviors of berry picking and we get a reward, we find the berries, we find something. And that to me explains why people endlessly scroll for the berry and why they jerk for the alert. All you have to do is walk into a grocery store and watch your phone alert go on. Look at the line in front of you and five people will jerk. Absolutely. You know, and I think you're exactly right, Sandra. And that is why our brains are hardwired. They're hardwired the same way today as they were back in the eat or be eaten days. The brain hasn't changed. Lee, as we talk about brain health, we can't talk about brain health without talking about our sponsor today. Our sponsor is Talkspace. And as we get into this holiday season, for many of us, that means not only traveling to family and friends, but also dealing with family and friends that may not make the season so jolly. And when you have difficult in-laws, you might have difficult siblings or difficult children or difficult boyfriends and ex-husbands and all these things, they just pile on to the holiday season. And that's why I think that it's so important to have a therapist in your life and to have talk therapy. And that's why I love Talkspace. And I think that they uphold the benefits of therapy that I have experienced and I believe in. And it's super easy to match with a licensed therapist or schedule a session. And Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform. And there are thousands of licensed therapists available for you to choose from and match with across dozens of specialties 
disease, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and so much more. And what I love about Talkspace is they work around your schedule at your convenience with live video sessions and unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist. So if you need a little support to help you through the end of the year, and we all do, or you just want to start building towards a better upcoming year, which who wouldn't? Talkspace is here to help. Match with a licensed therapist today when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code MOTHERHOODTALK. That's $100 off when you use the code MOTHERHOODTALK at Talkspace.com. You'll be so glad you did. Now, Lee, we are talking about brain health in a digital age, and you've got some information for us that we really need because we all use digital. And, you know, we've had thousands of years of evolution, but we're using our brains, you know, that bandwidth in a way that has never before in human history been challenged. Now, the bandwidth that we need has certainly increased, but the right hemisphere on the right side of your brain, two thirds of the cells are constantly scanning. They're scanning for danger. It goes back in that search mode. Okay, I've got to find what I need. And that, keep, that can keep us in a state of hypoarousal. And when we get in that state of hyperarousal, we either we get in the fight, flight, or freeze. And you know, that little that window of tolerance that we have to stay in to keep that in balance, that window's not very big. Right, right. And, you know, when we talk about the flight fighter freeze, we didn't bring the mastodon we were running from in the cave with us. You know, we didn't get the snake in the cave with us. If not, you know, we killed it. We went into the cave or went into our hut, our house where everything was quiet where everything was peaceful, where we could rest, where we could sleep. We didn't bring the mastodon in the bed with us like we do our cell phone. And that's what I think of my cell phone is my mastodon. It's great because we can kill it and eat it, but it also never leaves me. And that that concept of bringing the mastodon into the bathroom, mastodon into the tub, mastodon into the car, mastodon into your walk in nature, like that became the... One thing differently that when we have our eat and be eaten times versus modern day times is eventually the mastodon was killed and the threat was over. We don't see that with our digital devices. No, we don't because 13% of millennials spend over 12 hours a day on the phone. They sleep with their phones. They wake up in the middle of the night to check, to check their text messages, to check their social media. And the teenage circadian clock is twice as sensitive as an adult's is. So they every time they wake up to attend to that phone, they're messing with that brain. They are interrupting the natural rhythms of the brain. Well, and, you know, talk about interrupt the natural rhythms. You know, anybody who has kids today can can relate to this. When I have a pool party, Lee, the first thing I have to do is go with a basket, walk around, take all the kids' cell phones. Because they would prefer to, these are, you know, teenage boys and girls, they would prefer to sit in the shade or in the living room where they could see the screen than to go out where there's food and drink and a pool party and music. Like they would prefer that. And so I have to go literally with a basket and take everybody's cell phones. Plus, I don't want them ending up at the bottom of the pool if they toss somebody in the pool. But I have to literally rip these things out of these kids' fingers. And it's also true that the parents have given me a hard time, Lee, over the years for my pool rule with cell phones. They're like, what if I need to get, me, to get hold of my kid? 
how do you need to get a hold of your kid at a pool party in Southern California at two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon? What possible thing could go on in your world? But that goes to that we cannot be without our cell phone. And what does that do to our brain? When I when I posed that thing to the lady who said she wants her daughter to have her phone on her at all times, and I'm like, so if they throw her in the deep end, you're going to buy her a new phone? And then all of a sudden there's this dissonance of going, oh, wait, I, you know, I, I can't reach my daughter, but I don't want the phone in the deep end. You know, danger, Will Robinson, danger. You know, all of this stuff is happening and it's a simple, leave your phone on the table. But the phones are why it's your lifeline. You know, it's your connection to your friends. I mean, I've had people say, look, I can manage my life on my phone. I can get into my checking account. I can pay sure. my bills. I can look at my schedules. I, I know what my kids are doing. I can follow them on social media. I can see what pictures they're posting. I manage my life on that phone. And to me, uh, the, my, my comeback to that is, do you know how hard those virtual interactions are on your brain? You're beating your brain up. And when you look at the people that spend so much time on the web, what does that lead to? It leads to more impulsive behavior. It leads to loneliness. It leads to depression. It keeps you so distracted. And so many people, they, they think that phone is their best friend. Well, this gives me social comfort. I can connect with people through this. And all the studies show anxiety is a significant predictor for internet addiction. And that's among university students. Absolutely. Well, and I can tell you having teenagers in the house, Lee, on a Saturday night when I was growing up and probably the same thing for you, I couldn't wait to get out, go to the football game, go to whatever. Do you know the kids in my town, many of them prefer to watch the football game on their phone and they can sit home and they're not getting together in groups and they might be watching the football game, the high school football game on their phone. They're on their computer gaming with their friends. And then they might have their iPad over there they're, where they're watching a TV at the same time. And then we wonder why our kids and parents, because I watch my dad, Lee, my dad's 87. He has the Yankee game going on his cell phone. He's got his headphones on watching Perry Mason. And then he's on his computer looking up articles to read on YouTube about jet engines. So this isn't just something for the teenagers. And this is something, especially now that we've added Zoom meetings into our regular workday. This is, this is everybody up and down the line. It is, and talk about Zoom meeting, video conferencing. In December of 2019, there were 10 million users. In April 2020, there are 300 million users. I mean, Zoom work and learning, when it went digital, it really changed the way that our brains work. I mean, I've talked with parents, and I've seen studies, 72% of parents that have been surveyed, they report that their children are spending more time. Absolutely than before COVID-19. I mean, 85% of Americans are online on a daily basis. 31% is constant, 48 several times a day. We're all, we're addicted. We are chained to our screens. Well, and I think Lee, it's, it's a catch 22 because when I look at the, you know, I look at some of this stuff and I go, and, I, and this is, again, I have a college student now and he poses some good questions to me. Like I called him the other day and he's in bed. And I said, hey, don't you have class right now? He goes, I'm in class. Huh? And I'm like, 
No, you're not. Like your, your brain or your mind is in class and the teacher does a simulcast. You can either go into the classroom, you can walk across campus, go in the classroom and take the class, or you can tune into Zoom. Now that was designed for students who didn't feel well, they hadn't had a COVID test in a while, or they, they weren't sure. So the teacher in her, you know, wonderful generosity said, we're just going to do it both ways. So if you don't feel well, stay home. And he said, why should I get up? And I'm like, sunlight, <laughs> walking, human interaction. Like, why are you going to college if you're laying in your bed in the dorm room taking your class? And what is that doing to your brain? Because, you know, th think about it. When you used to pick up a book and read it, you would be connecting different parts of the brain while you're doing that, while you're processing the information. If you just pick up your phone and look at a picture, it's so passive. What are you denying your brain of? I mean, we used to think that once you reach, reached a certain age, that the, the neurogenesis did not exist. We did not continue to generate new brain cells. And now we know that we can, we can generate new brain cells up to death. But if you're laying in bed, the brain's got this philosophy, use it or lose it. Yep. And if you're not using it, you're gonna lose it. And the, the brain's not fully developed until you're in your mid to late twenties. So if you're shutting down neural pathways in your early, you know, your very early twenties, how are you leaving that brain? Because, you know, it really, you know, you get fully developed in mid to late 20s and man, the 30s are rocking. Yep. But you hit the 40s, you start to plateau, you hit the 50s, depending on genetics and, and how you've taken care of your brain. Have you had a brain injury? But in the 50s, you can start to have some mild cognitive decline. Then in the 60s, it gets worse. And if you're not setting that brain up for success and for a long, healthy life, a, then you're hurting yourself mm -hmm. and studies are starting to show that people that don't get enough sleep insomnia there it's more related to Alzheimer's because the only time that your brain can really rejuvenate itself is when you're asleep you got all these neurons and dendrites man firing away all day you know and then when you go to sleep you have these little scrubbing bubbles come out little glial cells and they clean that mess up but if you're not going to sleep, that mess never gets cleaned up. And what that does to the brain over time is it studies show that it's been linked to Alzheimer's. So let me ask you, when you talk about like the scrubbing bubbles that go in, and I, I again, this is just anecdotal from watching my kids. When my younger son was playing all these video games and he was playing Grand Theft Auto, all these things he shouldn't be. I get that bad mom, but he was playing them. And he would come out and he would have these rages. And I'm thinking, okay, it's the violence in the video games. Now, cut to kid number two, Zachary, who's also a big gamer, and he's playing Mario. Boop -a -doop -a -doop -a -doop -a -doop. Everything's cute and fun. He comes out and he's raging. So I did my own little research thing going, it couldn't have been the type of video game or the type of video use my kids were doing. And I had to believe, Lee, that it was screen time. It didn't matter what the screen time was because 
when we got locked down in COVID and both of my teens were put on screens for their classes, they came out and beat the tar out of each other the same way they did with video games and you know, whether they were violent, because I think everybody can agree that the cultural perception of video games is violent video games are bad. Shooting video games are bad, right? You know, we, we heard that beaten to death. But then we look at all these fun matching games, you know, the color matching, the shape matching, all of that activates the brain, I would think, in making millions of decisions. Oh, absolutely. And when you think about the what happens is they're experiencing information overload, whether it's violent or whether it's just, just the cutest little thing. But when they're trying to focus on multiple things at the same time, and usually it's all in these little one inch boxes sure. on the screen, and they have to jump from one position to another, that really puts that brain into overload. And when they're doing something that they enjoy with video games, Anytime you're doing something that you enjoy, the brain starts kicking out dopamine. Mm. Dopamine is a really feel-good neurotransmitter. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. Well, those little nerve cells, they get confused because the more you do it, the more you like it. But it goes from, I like that, to you know what? I want to do that. I really want to do that. And then it ends up, I need it. I need to do that. And that is that wears the brain out uh, because that can go on very quickly. It's not, you know, doesn't it, once that brain starts kicking out that dopamine and that, oh, that feels so good. I like that. I like that. I need more of that. I need more of that. And eventually the amount of dopamine that that the brain can kick out changes. Mm -hmm. And that, that ties into a whole nother, uh, but addiction, whether it's video games or sex or social media, or alcohol, it's a brain disease. It's not just bad choices. Gotcha, gotcha. So now I have a question for you regarding emotions and emotional regulation and dysregulation. Because one of the things that I see, and Lee, I see it in myself too. I'm not saying you know everybody else is the problem and not me. Um, when I don't get enough sleep, like when I have heavy programming days, I moonlight a lot as a programmer for different companies. And when I have to create something and it can take me 10, 12, 15 hours straight on the computer. And it's not something you can just walk out, get a soda, come back in and pick up where you left off. So it's a marathon. And what I find when I come out is first of all, my brain is fried. It's like short circuited by the time it's done, but I'm not able to manage my emotions. And to be fair, I only have four emotions. I have happy, sad, like angry and, and tired. Like those are the only things that really register with me on a regular basis. So when I come after one of these marathon sprints, I am either really sad, like I could sit down and weep like the world is ending, or I'm really angry about some stupid thing like dishes in the sink. Or I want to fall asleep and go to bed, or I'm super elated because I finished this job. Like there's no gray area in these. And if somebody sets me off at that point, Lee, I'm a basket case. Well, and I think that ties that ties into several things, but it goes back to that autonomic nervous system, that fight, flight, or freeze. And you're exhausted. And you, you, you have to think about it. The cost, the thing that costs the brain the most 
is to burn through the energy, is to shift your focus, sustain that attention. I'm not a programmer, but I've watched people. They are so intense that, you know, I've seen people, I'm like, you're going to burn a hole through that screen looking at it that way. And, but the, the, the brain's efficient. And mo- even though most of the energy goes to the physical structure, you don't have that much left for thinking, feeling, emotions. So when you come out of there, the brain's got to terminate the processes that are too costly. And that just leaves you mentally fatigued. You know, how's your focus? How's your memory when you come out of those? No, nothing. Like no memory. And if the kids want to tell me about their daily, you might as well have put nails on a chalkboard to go. I can't take one more thing in. And I think that's the reason that I'm describing this is I see these gaming sessions, these, you know, long school Zoom sessions or these work Zoom sessions, not that Zoom, there's other, you know, there's Google Hangouts, there's all sorts of other things. We're not banging on Zoom. We're just using it as an example, but digital meetings, we should say. So I see the same thing in dig- after a day of digital meetings that I feel after a long programming sprint. And if I know how I feel, and I'm used to it because I've been programming for 25 years. What happens to all these new experiences? Because Lee, computers have been only around for the last 50 years. Our brains have been developing over the last, what, 50,000? Absolutely. And, you know, I think there's another thing with the Zoom meeting that you have to stop and think about. Seeing yourself sitting there and looking at your yes. own self-image. We become so hyper aware. I have clients that come in, okay, I've got to get Botox. I'm like, you don't need Botox. Yes, I do. I've been looking at myself, you know, for three days and oh my gosh, I look so old. And it beats her self-conscious down. It beats her self-esteem. And when you're on Zoom, you've always got to be on. You know, when we used to be in a conference room, you could take a few minutes and, you know. Stare you out could, the window. Yeah. <laughs> And, but boy, you do that on a Zoom meeting and it's like, hey, over here, yep. look at me. Um, and and when you, once in those Zoom meetings, those images, they sometimes they appear like they're too big or they're too cropped or too close. That increases the brain activity. That creates bio, biochemical changes. And I mean, and, and all those biological changes, they're associated with that high alert that you talked about, that fight or flight. Yep. You know, we... We talked about dopamine, but chronic phone overuse is proven to change your reward circuits in the brain chemically. GABA, it will increase the levels of GABA. And you know what that's linked to? What? Depression, anxiety, and insomnia. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, and programmers know this, Lee, about people not wanting to like how they look on the screen. That's why now most of the different digital meeting groups have not only backgrounds and filters, but they actually can give you makeup. You know, Zoom right now is able to give you, you know, you can smooth it, you can do all sorts of things. And it's amazing to me that you are allowed to do this, but we know that people, and as I'm doing this, I'm flipping through all the different things for Lee to make her giggle and laugh, but we have the ability to make it possible for us to have all sorts of filters put on our face because we know that people don't like seeing themselves on screen. 
And you know what the most terrible thing is? I want to learn how to do that. <laughs> well, it is fun. That's the other thing is like, you know, that's the thing that, you know, where, you know, digital is really funly. And if you, if you enjoy it in moderation, and this is where my recommendation from somebody who is a programmer who does spend a lot of time on internet, who does have 85 to 15 in her household or 87, you have to put the limit on your phones. You have to put your limit on your devices. It's really easy because there are programmers out there who had the same concerns I did that put put guardrails in place. So if you have a smartphone, all you have to do is go to the settings in your phone and start putting a time limit on things. Like the black hole for me, Lee, is I go from, from CNN to MSNBC to Fox to, um, you know, I'll look at the newspapers in Dubai, I'll go to the London press and I'll zip through. If I have interest in one story, that's an international story, I wanna read the point of view from all the newspapers. So I can eat up easily an hour at night. But so what I did was my favorite, favorite um, websites that I go to, you can actually put, it's very simple. You can put a restriction on there after 10 minutes, it'll alert you, you spent 10 minutes and then you can make the decision of whether or not you want to continue. This works for Twitter, for Facebook, for Instagram, for Snapchat, all of these things. We have the ability on our, our digital devices to put limits on ourselves and programmers did that because we don't know how to regulate ourselves. We don't know when to quit or when to stop. And so there are provisions in place that can really help us. Because when I look at the anger, Lee, that is, is pervasive, especially in social media, and I use it a lot for work, and I like to keep in touch with my friends and family around the world. The anger there is insane. But what I've noticed, and I, I encourage you guys to watch this. Look at when the most angry posts are. They are not at 9, 10, 11 in the morning. They're not at 12 or 1. They start to ramp up about 4 o'clock. And you can see the timestamps when people post things on certain social medias. And as it goes on, as the day gets later and people get more tired, all of a sudden they're more angry. They're saying more obnoxious things. Wily, they're tired. And if you look at some of these people, and I've been tracking a couple of my mom friends who are particularly vicious on social media, not because I want to see what they have to say. I want to see what the pattern is. And they start posting at six in the morning and they are still posting at one o'clock at night. So you tell wow. me, when is that person resting? Because that's the thing. You study social media. It leaves clues. It'll tell you what's going on. Hey, this mom that is usually so nice by 11 o'clock at night. She's been on Facebook since six that morning. She is a witch. Yeah. I mean, it's not just people on an organizational level. You know, the pandemic, pandemic changed our routines and it increased the digital intensity. And so Microsoft studied how work is changing the workers. And they've got one of the world's best, largest bodies of research. The Microsoft Human Factor Lab they wanted to find a solution for meeting fatigue. They took 14 people. They took part in virtual meetings wearing an EEG cap. Okay. And they had, they did it on two different days. The first day, everybody had four back-to-back 30-minute -back meetings. And they, they each call went on a different track. 
So okay. you had to move fast. You had to stay with it. Uh, the next the next week, they had people come back in, and they did another day, four 30-minute meetings, but they gave them a 10-minute break, and they asked them to meditate during the break, and they all used Headspace. It could have been any app, but they wanted the consistency, and what the brain map showed were amazing. The people that did not have a break, they had so much more stress because the brain had not been able to reset. You know, there is a cumulative buildup of stress. When you go from boom, 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 those, it, it just builds and builds. Breaks, even short ones, will make that transition smoother. And when you start that next meeting, you're a lot nicer. Yes. Right. And maybe more receptive to change. You know, why do we have meetings? We don't have meetings just to sit around and talk. We have meetings because we're going to implement new things, new procedures, new ideas, brainstorm. All of that requires us to have a significant amount of, of resistance to the fear around change, right? Right. I mean, and I have one client and he goes nonstop from meeting to meeting to meeting. And I can see, you know, he'll well, um, how's your day? Well, you know, I was in five meetings this morning. And as he talks about it, you can see that stress build. Yep. The tra he has no transition. Right. It's like he's going 100 miles an hour. Then when he walks in the door here, he crashes. And his stress is so high. And, you know, I'm like, okay, just sit down. Sometimes I'll even turn the lights off. Let me just turn the lights off. Let me pull the blinds up. Just sit down and breathe. And it's amazing what spending five minutes focusing on your breath, focusing about where do you feel your breath? Do you feel it in or down around that belly button? Are you just so short and choppy that the, the, when you breathe like that, what does that do to your heart rate? It increases your heart rate. I mean, I've had people actually say, oh my gosh, at the end of the day, sometimes I feel like I'm having a heart attack. Sure. Because they're so stressed out. And they can't, when you slow that breath rate down, you calm that heart rate down, you get that brain processing a little with more clarity, it makes such a difference. And when we, when we think about, you know, are we addicted to our screens? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Are every single one of us addicted to our screens? Absolutely. And, you know, there used to be this thing called critical thinking, and you know where we used to try to connect the dots sure but what does the internet encourage you should shallow surfing you sure. look at 10 different points of view on that one international story that you're really interested in and it's not just the states I mean this is going on globally right right you know and I think Lee you know as we wrap it up for today I think that at the end of the day when we talk about self-care we need to include into self-care our digital use. And I think that is something that was my biggest aha in preparing for today's show, that the most loving thing I can do for myself is shut off my phone for a couple hours and go sit outside or take a walk or lay down or meditate or just relax, just shut off whatever digital, if it's, you know, smart TV or your iPad or your phones or your computers, it's just everywhere. And that's the kindest thing we can do to ourselves is give our brains a break. 
Well, just take digital responsibility. That's all it boils down to. And I think as a parent, I know, you know, what, what behavior am I modeling? Yes. If I'm walking around with my phone constantly in my, my hand, I mean, I have parents that will text their kids, come downstairs, dinner's ready. Can't you just, I mean, I just used to go to the bottom of the stairs and scream at them. Well, I whistle sometimes. Like if they don't answer their text, I do like this big whistle, but, but you're right. No, I mean, it is easier. And if I'm in the grocery store and I realized I did this this week, cause Zach was like, mom, I'm taking a test. And I'm like, how are you using a phone on your test? He goes, it's calculus. We're allowed to use our calculator for on our phone. I texted my kid at school to find out whether he wanted like three cheese pizza rolls or pepperoni pizza rolls. It didn't even occur to me, Lee, that he's in the middle of chemistry class or calculus. No, because it's, it's our lifeline. It's our connection to our day, but you make such a good point that we're in charge of that. We're, and we're the only one that can be in charge of that. That's our choice. It is our choice to pick up that phone or to put it down. And when, when you think about the behavior that you're modeling, my, my, I have so much fun. People come running into my office. Oh my gosh, my phone's almost dead. Do you have a phone charger? No. No. <laughs> of course I have a phone charger. Of course you do. But I just, you know, I'm just like, let's not think about your phone right now. You know, let's just think about what you're here. Why are you here today? Right. And how can I help you? Let's don't think about your phone. And once you call them on it, because they're like, I know you have a phone charger. I've seen, I've seen I've you. Seen you right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I do. But, and I try to laugh about it with them because we have to laugh about it. Right. But if we don't, we're going to find ourselves crying about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, you guys. Well, on behalf of myself, Sandra Beck and Lee Richardson of the Brain Performance Center, I want to thank you for listening to us today and give yourself a shot. Give yourself a chance to put your phone down, take a break. Your brain will thank you. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.